You're listening to Orange Blaze, a Florida Trail podcast. It was heartbreaking last year when we went up to the Panhandle and Sandy got together with a few of her Florida Trail friends and finished up all the last of the roadwalks and did everything else. But when we walked through the area where the hurricane hit directly. Yeah, around Bluntstown, all through and drove up and down the one particular road, just back and forth for me being the driver and just looking at the devastation that was there. And then we snaked around and finally got to where the trail went back into the woods. And all you saw was looked like a, a lumber truck had crashed and and all the, the wood had just fallen in one place. There, there, there was not a trail. Yeah, I tried to walk, it was at Alpha. I tried to walk in there and you couldn't go more than a foot. I mean, it was yeah. just, the amount of effort the volunteers put in over the past two years to open those trails is just mind-blowing. That was Sander Friend and John Keatley of Florida Hikes, back for a second time on the podcast. Their first episode on the podcast was episode three back in July of 2018. After many years of chatting online, I was finally able to meet Sander and John at the Billy Goat Day back in January, about a million years ago now. And though I didn't get to really chat with John very long, I was able to talk to Sandra and then go for a hike with her. I wish that weekend hadn't been so short because I know there were so many great stories to hear from these two. Sandra and John have had two books published in the last couple of years, the most recent being a Florida Trail Hikes guidebook, in addition to the updated 50 Hikes in Central Florida book before that. The Florida Trail Hikes book was born out of the 50 Hikes series in an effort to showcase the best hikes along the Florida Trail. This episode covers our chat about the two books, how we were all adapting to the shutdown for coronavirus in early April when we recorded, as well as Sandra and John's other ventures and adventures. It's a great episode, and if you'd like to keep your pulse in the world of hiking in Florida, these two are where to get your information. All right, on to the episode. Okay, how are you guys? Hey, doing well. Not bad. Good. Well, John, I got to apologize. I actually didn't get a chance to like chat with you at Billy Goat Day at all. So I felt bad that we left and it was, <laughs> you were so busy chatting with everybody else. There were so many people there, which is a wonderful sign. And again, I, I hope we outgrow the place next year and have to go somewhere else. We could yeah. Become the largest, we could become the largest hiking event in the state. <laughs> that'd be pretty crazy do you guys have an idea of where you would move to no we're you know we stepped back from the uh the hikers alliance yeah which is yeah. now ft through hike last year so you know chris and luann and randy they're all running with it and they're doing yeah. a wonderful job with it they really are yeah I, we had a board meeting here and i basically told them guys i'm too old i don't think fast enough to to do all this computers and social media. So one of these youngsters needs to step up. And Chris, because of his background, we could not have picked a better person. Yeah, yeah. I haven't chatted with him in a while, but I think Eleni had mentioned a few places that they were brainstorming. And, of course, she's kind of slipped away uh, from that as well now, too. So I will be interested to see what everybody comes up with for next year. Well, hopefully yeah. that we get to have it next year. <laughs> Well, they've got Ari and Trucker Bob involved now, too, and a couple other folks. So there's a good team there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was going to talk to you guys, too, about um, what's going on right now, you know, with the COVID-19 and just how well organized y'all have been and getting all the closures uh, up on your website and keeping everybody uh, up to date on that. How, how are you guys managing all of that? <laughs> oh God, that ta it takes like two hours every morning to scour the websites. I've stopped doing it as frequently now that so many counties have shut things down. But I kind of had the framework in place back when we got hit with Hurricane Irma. Uh, there mm. were just so many closures around the state of everything that I just saved a whole heck of a lot of links on our desktop computer. And then when this started happening, had to, of course, refresh them all because you know how frequently yeah. government sites change. And luckily, yep. she is a very early riser. So she usually does this before the, <laughs> before the rest of the working people now are on their computers trying to do their work and everything right. slows down. And it, it helps when, you know, we get a heads up or... Yeah, somebody in the tourism industry will reach out. Like yesterday, 
heard from somebody uh, who we know in Charlotte County who said, hey, guys, even though our county said they closed all the parks, they changed their mind and they opened up the natural areas again. So, you know, flip that switch on that today. And that made a lot of people happy that they still had somewhere to go down there in southwest Florida. Right. It, it's pretty bleak in southeast Florida, but that's where the most cases are at this point. Yeah. So I guess what does this landscape look like for your area uh, on the Space Coast? Is is there a lot closed or are there any, any lands open for you guys to go out and explore? Actually, there's nothing closed really other than uh, parks with facilities, nature centers, playgrounds, that kind of thing. And the Canaveral National Seashore shut down. Uh, pretty much as soon as things started hitting the fan. So uh, our our county's kind of behind the eight ball on closing things. And fortunately, we have a lot of wide open spaces. And I think that, you know, is important here in Florida. A lot of people don't realize we have these big public lands, primarily water management lands and uh, wildlife management lands, where there aren't really a lot of trails, but there's a heck of a lot of forest roads you can walk. And right. those are the things that are pretty much staying open. Well, I'm lucky. I'm the bicycling guy, so two and three days a week, I'm able to ride on our trail here that did not get closed because it's, uh, what's the word they use for it? Oh, a Essential? transportation corridor. It's, yes, it's oh. close it, and um, I rode out there today. What's been nice is to see the families that are actually out, um, you know, taking advantage of the nature that they can do there. Everybody is really doing a great job of social distancing. You know, I think I saw about maybe a dozen to a dozen and a half people outside today. So okay. people are outside. That's the good part. And I have to say, even in our neighborhood, uh, there are people riding bicycles. Even my father made a comment. I can't believe all the people that have ridden a bicycle and walked by the house you know, that he now sees them. He's on a cul-de-sac, yeah, so that's not that common. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got to agree. The same thing's happening here. I'm like, I've never seen these people in my life. Like, they never come out of the neighborhood. And, you know, I'm not out every day or even every week, but, you know, frequently enough to where I feel comfortable being familiar with who's out and who's not. But it, that's definitely been the case for us here. A lot of people out on their bikes and just out walking. Well, I, I mean, people need nature. That's the bottom line. Even if it's just like, you know, I'll take a few breaks a day and just go sit down on the porch and watch the squirrels and watch the mockingbirds and, you know, just watch the, the leaves riffle in the breeze. It's just a little dose of nature. And I think we all need that, especially in stressful times. And I came yes. out of our grocery store the last time I went to our grocery store and there was a lady loading her vehicles raining here one of the rare occurrences right now and she was under the hatch of her uh, SUV putting her groceries in so I spoke up to her and I said you know it's a chance to talk to somebody other than your family and kids and she goes that's true she said but this hasn't been really that bad she says yesterday we went out to Canaveral National uh, Park and drove the um yeah, Merritt Island. Merritt Island National Wildlife Route and drove the uh, Black Point Drive as a family. Nice. They were in the car, you know, in, in their own little pod, as to say. And, you know, there's an eagle nest out there. There's always alligators. So they were out as a family, still enjoying nature, even if it was in the car. Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely one of the things I want to do around here. We don't have nearly the public lands you guys do. The, Luckily to be on the east side of the state where there's a little bit more of that, but it's still just not, you know, I'm just going to go to the seashore and drive around <laughs> that sort of thing. Uh, so I'm definitely been jealous about what is still open uh, there in Florida and uh, the Texas state parks finally closed all their state parks today or yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, and they had been leaving some open if you could, you pay, if you could pay online or um, do the self pay when you got there you could go, but now they're just shutting it all down. So that, that definitely closes a lot of access, especially in the hill country for folks. Um, Cause there's a lot of good parks out there for people. So that's going to dry up that. So 
Um, is, 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 so are the trailheads, you said there, you saw like 10 or 12 people on that bike trail. Are any of these lands getting too crowded at no, all? No, no I, I actually sometimes send Sandy a picture back of the trailheads that when she and I were going up there riding this one trailhead, it was common to have a dozen plus cars in there. Now you'll see maybe three or four cars and there's multiple spaces in between them. Yeah, it, it's more neighborhood use here because there's enough public lands that aren't that far from people, which is nice. Right. I know that's not true for other parts of the state, but here we're pretty fortunate with that. Right, right. Well, I, since we're talking about public lands, and kind of one of the primary reasons I wanted to have you guys back on and what you guys, uh, Sandra, you mentioned a few months ago was to talk about uh, your latest book, The 50 Hikes in Central Florida. Um, so maybe we could talk a little bit about what the range of Central Florida is uh, so people can kind of get an idea of where this book encompasses and, uh, you know, the hikes covered and some of the lands that, you know, people may be unfamiliar with. Well, we came out with the 50 Hikes book about a year and a half ago, and it's the third edition, so it covers the area from Crystal River to Melbourne, down to Tampa Bay, and up into Volusia County. And, you know, typical of this publisher, uh, they like to see some change over in the book, but they don't really encourage authors to change out all that many hikes. And I always take that as a challenge. So <laughs> we changed out 10 or 11 hikes okay. uh, on that particular and in doing so, we were able to bring a couple of Florida trail hikes into the mix, which we hadn't done before. I, I think while you and I were uh, hiking on the Florida trail back in January, I mentioned we'd come out with a new book called Florida Trail Hikes because I'd been collecting all these really cool places along the Florida trail for the past 20 years that are like the highlights, best places to go, and wanted to get them out in book form because years ago I pitched to the publisher, how about a 50 hikes on the Florida Trail? And they didn't go for it. So we were kind of left to do that sort of thing on our own. So we, mm -hmm. we have both books going in Central Florida right now. What's unique about the Florida Trail Hikes book, because we did it and we know where the prettiest places are, the book is in color. So nice. There are, there are pretty pictures to lure and tempt people to go out and see that beautiful cypress tree or that beautiful savanna. So that was when we started doing this book. We said, if this is going to be done, it's it's going to be a pretty book. And, you know, we, we could almost have called it that because that's really what it is. It's like some of the prettiest places to walk on the Florida Trail. Yeah, we, we were kind of inspired by the new edition of 50 Hikes finally being in full color after all these years and yeah. we got back the proofs and said "Ooh, you know we we need to do this with our new florida trail book too so now we have two full color hiking books which is kind of cool so and so the second book is you guys self-published that one right yeah yeah okay mm -hmm. okay um well yeah maybe so we'll talk about both we could talk about a little bit about i guess um you know, upgrading this, this, the first book, and like what is involved in uh, working with your publisher to, you know, sneak in some of that stuff that you wanted to change? Well, really, you know, as, as the authors, you kind of drive that process. They set a deadline and you just have to meet it. Okay. Uh, what we did, because John cannot walk as far anymore because of a nerve damage issue, but he can bike all day, is we kind of divvied up the work and looked at the trails and said, okay, you know, this particular public land allows both hiking and biking. John, you take the GPS and do the 10 mile route and I'll go walk the two and a half mile route. And, and we end okay. up at about the same time. That's the amazing part of it. You know, we both took pictures, we did the GPS tracks, had enough descriptive information that it made it a heck of a lot easier as a team to knock the book out. Yeah, to do a 10 or a 12 mile ride, I'm I'm not even trying hard 
and I'm getting off, taking pictures and doing everything. And I'm still doing close to, you know, three and a half to four miles an hour. Except for your soft sand. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. there's a handful of pushes like the Lake Wales Ridge where uh, good good thing there wasn't a tape recording on the GPS. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only thing thing in Florida. I mean, I've ridden here in Florida. Every time I pedaled, my my pedals went underwater in some of the places we went. But when I when I hit the white soft sand, that's it's it's push the bike time. But again, we could show up at one trailhead, and in a we can do a morning hike sometimes. Then we do an afternoon. I say hike bike. So in one day, if everything was just right, we could actually get four hikes in in a day. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> so that, that's what happens when there's two of us? That's yeah. The other good we part. we actually did go back to every place in the book that we thought was worth keeping. A couple of them we ditched because they just weren't as good anymore. And then the rest, we kind of scattered out and said, these look cool. And now one of them for me, which ended up in both of these books, is Prairie Lakes. I don't know if you remember hiking that Mm -hmm. on the Florida Trail, but that is such a spectacular area. And the fact that you've got the figure eight loops, so you can do outer loop and inner loop, you can do all different change-ups of it just makes it a great destination all the way around that's turning into be a lot of people's favorite well not favorite but a favorite section uh when i've been talking to guests on the podcast recently um which is kind of surprising because it's it's a new a new revelation so i'm glad to hear that uh that's included in the book oh yeah what's wild is it's been around since the 70s It was actually built as a backpacking destination before the Florida Trail Association was positive of where exactly the third trail was going to go. And the the chapter from our region here from the Space Coast built it and said, well, you know, this is highly likely. I remember talking to Ernie Baldini. He had, you know, helped lay it out. And they really wanted to push for the through trail to be on this side of the state. At the same time, there were people building the loops at Croom and Richloam and Citrus with the same idea over on the west side of the state saying, <laughs> we're going to draw backpackers. We need the through trail to be over here. Right. And those are good. Those are good hiking sections, too. I mean, I can't say anything bad about that side of the state either. No, it's nice. It's mostly high and dry. Yeah. Right. Um, so, so you guys are researching the, re- reviewing those hikes from 50 Hikes in Central Florida and then adding in the Florida Trail hikes. What was it like to compile all of your, your Central, your best hikes on the Florida Trail book? How did you come up with that? That's been a dream of Sandy's for a long time. She has, she has always had her favorite one. She's always taken even more pictures at some places than others. And she had always talked about wanting to do this book. And one day we just looked at it and says, it's time. Well, and this was back before Hurricane Michael hit. And originally I had the idea of let's do a book series. The Panhandle, North Florida, and then Central and South Florida. And do three books. Well, then Hurricane Michael hit before we had the, the Panhandle book done. And... When it destroyed Econfina, that just broke my heart. Yeah. And I said, you know, we need to kind of mitigate our potential future losses <laughs> by <laughs> spreading it across the entire state. So wherever a hurricane happens to hit, most of the book is still relevant. <laughs> right, right. So that's so- how we ended up folding it all into one, you know, oversized It was heartbreaking last year when we went up to the Panhandle and Sandy got together with a few of her Florida Trail friends and finished up all the last of the roadwalks and did everything else. But when we walked through the area where the hurricane hit directly. Yeah, around Bluntstown. And drove up and down the one particular road just back and forth through me being the driver and just looking at the devastation that was there. And then we snaked around and finally got to where the trail went back into the woods and all you saw was looked like a, a lumber truck had crashed and and all the the wood had just fallen in one place yeah, there, there was not a trail yeah i tried to walk it was at alpha i tried to walk in there and 
you couldn't go more than a foot. I mean, it was yeah. just the amount of effort the volunteers put in over the past two years to open those trails is just mind blowing. But they'll never look like they did. You know, and they were so beautiful, and now it's going to be a long time before they look anything like that again. Yeah, that was one of my favorite sections. And so just, you know, watching everybody's photos come in as they, you know, started hiking or seeing the volunteers as they attempted to to clear that route, I was very, it was very sad. <laughs> yeah, almost, the, yeah. The views are still there, but the, the botanical beauty is just trashed. Mm-hmm. But that's so. Why I, 1100 miles of trail so you know as long as it doesn't wipe the entire state out you might say there's always some (laughs) place you can go and you can also come back in five years or ten years and look and see how much it's changed and where it's grown back that's always that's always a unique perspective because since sandy and i started hiking we walked into a place where they had done a, a clear cut and they hadn't left a single tree there was no way to know where the trail was and we just both looked at it and we just shook our head. And fortunately, we had a GPS track, so we knew basically where to go to check everything. But we went back there, was it the year before last? And the trees are now much over our heads. There's a little bit of shade provided there. And you feel like you're walking through a young forest. Right. So in the end, how many miles of trail is incorporated in that book? Hmm. That's a good question. I don't know if I can actually stand here and summarize it that quickly. <laughs> but I mean, there there are the put it this way: the very shortest hike is here for Joan Jarvis because it's an Oviedo. It's the half mile boardwalk at Round Lake Park. It's mm. it's just one of those cute urban things that nobody knows is part of the Florida Trail. And it is in her neighborhood. So that's the shortest one. The longest one is the eastern side of Eglin. And actually, we have been in here back to back with Neguse. So you could use the book to do them both and do like three to five nights out. Park there. I I used to own a home over in that area. I have done 20 years of driving through and around there. And until I did my Florida Trail hike through that section and came to it, I had no idea it was there. And it's absolutely (laughs) gorgeous. Just a nice, simple little park in a neighborhood. Well, that was one of the things uh, when we got into geocaching was looking at just getting on Google Maps and just seeing all these little parks that popped up that I didn't even know existed. So I can imagine that, you know, having an additional guidebook and seeing what's closer to your neighborhood with more details is going to be extremely valuable um, to just, you know, people who don't want to do a full Florida trail hike, but want to do shorter sections or, you know, a quick little day hike. Um, So I guess maybe talk about the structure of the book for people is how is it set up? Well, it's broken up kind of to parallel the gut hook gap. So the sections mirror exactly what's in Gut Hook, South Florida, Central Florida, Central Florida West, you know, kind of like that. And then within each of those, you have anywhere from five to eight hikes or so. And some of those are a segment with an overview, let's say St. Mark's, that tells you how to go through and hike the entire St. Mark's section, what's worth seeing in the St. Mark's section if you only have a little bit of time, and then the full uh, blow-by-blow details of three pieces of the St. Mark's section to give you about um, 25 miles of hiking in there. So that's kind of how it's broken up. And what we did on this this book also that we've never done in any of our books before is because of our travel writing background and because we did go out and and sample and revisit everything that's in here, uh, we stopped at base camps. We stayed at a hotel, uh, a small place. We ate at all the local restaurants. And we also looked if there happened to be a few other non-Florida trail hikes that if you went and spent a weekend there or a long weekend there, 
that you could go out and go do something different, you know, each day and then go someplace and have dinner and then go take a nice shower, you know, stay at a and b in certain cases. And we, we tried to make it a, a tourism hiking book as well. So basically each of the geographic sections, like I've got Central Florida West open here, we have two, uh, two and three pages of just towns that are along the Florida Trail, like Dinellon, where I used to live, and recommending places to stay, places to eat, uh, some outfitters you can go kayaking with, and other things in the area you can do besides hike the Florida Trail. So okay. you can use it for vacation planning for hiking. Well, we That's realize kind of... like for us right now, with since I can't hike, is you know if a family may go out and maybe one the spouse doesn't isn't a hiker isn't a long distance hiker or maybe one of the children wants to do something else the family can still go out mom and dad mom can go do one thing with one of the kids dad can do something with another kid then they can get back take a shower and then go someplace and have dinner and talk about what they saw and plan what they're going to do the next day but if it's in here we've been there (laughs) <laughs> that's uh really kind of cool like vacation hiking i've never i don't think i've come across a book that has been outlined like that so in my head it feels like i feels like a travel guidebook you get for you know coming into the state of florida and here's what you can see but uh you have hikes along with it too so that sounds actually really pretty cool <laughs> yeah it's more organized around the hiking yeah, it's a hiking the- book but but the travel information is up front in every chapter. So it helps you sit there with the map in the front of the chapter and say, oh, okay, so Bellevue's here and here's what I can hike. But look, I can go to the Santos bike trail or to Paradise Springs and go diving, you know, that kind of thing. We're going to show a different group, something they didn't know was there. Right. Your hikers are going to keep coming back. They're going to hike, they're going to hike. Um, but sometimes you're, when they find out, wow, I'm a diver as well, and I could actually go dive and do Paradise Springs. Yeah, we saw this as very much more of a general interest book because the Florida Trail Guide is for the hardcore hiker. I mean, mm-hmm. for the people who know they're going to put in the miles, know they're going to plan longer hikes, and, you know, it has those details to it. This is for more of the casual hiker who's out there saying, what can I do in Florida? Oh, here's a cool place to go. Right. So what are some of the favorite hikes that you revisited uh, that you included in this book? Well, you know, one of the ones that's my ultimate favorite is Rice Creek. I can't tell you how many times I've been back there to do the loop and down, you know, down the uh, boardwalk there. So that that's a big one. The South was... River oh. up in the Apalachicola National Forest, because if you're going to have one entry level hike for people to go visit the Apalachicola National Forest, that's the one. And then, of course, we have two swamp hikes, too. But, you know, the South Choppy River is the one that anybody can do and feel good about. Well, we, we okay. also put, we put Big Cypress in the book. Yep. But we put it in a different way. We said, you know, don't, don't go hike from one end of the swamp on 41 all the way to I-75. Let's face it, that's a hardcore hike. You know, you got to know what you're doing or you've got to want to go do that. So we did a come in from the north and go a little ways and come back out. Come in from the south, go in a little ways, and come back out. Yeah, basically from uh, Oasis to Seven Mile as an mm-hmm. overnighter, and from I-75 to Ivy Camp as a day hike or an overnighter. And then if you're comfortable with doing those, yeah, then if you want to try the whole thing, go for it. Okay. Yeah, that gives, that's a good taste because it, you get to avoid, depending on the season you decide to tromp through there, you're mostly avoiding a lot of the mud and the water um so that's a good taste of big cypress for sure well that's that's what this book is i mean your your hardcore hikers they're going to pick up the trail guide they're going to get gut hook and and they're going to go hike the florida trail we're we're putting pretty pictures in front of people talking about people we stand in front of them and on through the website saying we have some beautiful places here to go 
and we're not looking for the through hiker to come come try to visit and see these places. We're looking for those other people that don't know what's in their own backyard or have just moved into Florida and they don't know what's here. Um, they, they either, you know, they're, they're new to hiking or they're, I'm going to say this, their age is getting up there and maybe they're not willing to go out and do a 8, 9, 10, or 15-mile hike anymore. They want to go do, they want to spend all day in the woods and only cover six, seven miles maybe. But like down in the Brooksville area, a lot of people don't realize you can hop off I-75 at US 301 or exit 301 rather, which takes you to US 301 at Ridge Manor. And in five minutes off I-75, you can do the Cypress Lakes Trail there, which is, uh, you know, a little over three miles to go out and back on the Florida Trail through a really pretty botanical area, or do quite a few miles in Croom along the Withlacoochee River on the river bluffs through all the big cypresses. So, and, and both of those are literally right there off the interstate, but unless you wave a flag and say, hey, people, come look at these, you know, <laughs> they don't know they're there. Right, right. So we've got things like that, and then the, the favorites, but more obscure places like Oscilla, which, you know, I brag about to friends all over the country. There is nothing like the Oscilla anywhere in this country. It is yeah. just weird. And so <laughs> we've got the whole Oscilla piece in there, you know, going both north and south out of the uh, trailhead there on Goose Pasture. Okay. Now, what are, you've done some presentations on this book so far? Yeah. Yeah, we okay. get them at uh, libraries, so we did one at REI. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. what, for a couple of chapters, even. Yep. Oh, okay. What are, I guess, what's the overall reaction, and if, what kind of questions are people asking about the Florida Trail? Well, people are always asking the typical gear questions. <laughs> well, the, the, good, the nice part is we, we did this book. Um, we had some issues with our printer on this particular book. Um, so we will do a second printing sometime in the future and make a few changes and like the cover we're not happy with, uh, certain things because of just how it lays little simple things like that. So we've not went out and beat a drum a great deal. Uh, we've not offered this book to REI or any of the other outfitters that we work with because we want, we want the next version of it to be what they have. And I was recently counting books in the book room, and we've sold out at least half of them by just word of mouth and on the website. Okay. Which is not too shabby for bringing it out in October. No, that's uh, that's pretty good. I guess, how, like, when do you think a second printing is going to happen? Well, we originally were talking about doing it this spring specifically because REI would like to carry it. But given that REI is shut down right now or other outlets, we're waiting. Yeah, because normally when we sell books to REI or some of the others, you know, I package them up uh, sometimes six, sometimes a dozen, sometimes two dozen books. And, you know, when when you start sending out books and those numbers, um, the the books disappear fast. So to have half of a printing disappear without doing any bulk sales like that. That, that's what tells us how popular the book is. Uh, I, I keep them already packaged here and ready to go. And I, when I go to the post office, I carry one of each of our books with me. And I would say once a week or so by the time I get to the post office and before I walk in, I go bring up the email and look, there's another new order. Oh, and he bicycles yeah, I, to I the, ride post the bicycle office. to the post office. Nice. All of, all of the books are delivered yeah. by bike. Yeah, right, right now, if you know we're, this new greener version of it, I do the 11 mile each way trip to a bike uh, to our post office. Nice, saving some yeah. uh, some carbon yeah. emissions there. <laughs> Except for crates. Anytime somebody orders, I think so far the most I've taken is eight books, and I I had four in each in ba- four in each bag. Now, of course, whenever we come out with a guidebook, you know things change almost immediately. So what we got hit on with this one was Forever Florida. You know, yeah. All these years, they've been a private, you know, nonprofit foundation, and it was okay for us to hike through, but you couldn't really park there. 
Then they partnered with the local chapter and opened this beautiful new trailhead last year. And I went over there with Luann and we hiked, which, you know, I'd done the hike before, but she hadn't. So we hiked from Forever Florida up to Bull Creek. And I said, okay, now I can write it up from fresh eyes. So, you know, wrote it up, put it in the book. It's all ready to go. Wrote this wonderful thing about all the things that Forever Florida does. And they closed. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, ah! <laughs> now, through hikers can still go through there, and day hikers can as well, but it's no longer logistically easy to park anywhere nearby. So that's a chapter we're going to have to update, and that's why we're thinking, you know, even though I wouldn't normally say let's do a second edition of a new book so soon, we may end up doing that just to trim a few things down where changes occurred. Right. Well, you know, one thing I was impressed on when we went and hiked was just how much trail data you're always collecting. You're taking pictures, you're making notes, and it seems like you are constantly just got this like encyclopedia of knowledge going in your head or (laughs) maybe just a stack of papers on your desk. But um, I guess, how do you keep all of that organized? I have to, before she tells you, I have to tell you the story. When we went to try to do our through hike on the uh, Appalachian Trail and made it a little over 500 miles. I remember this is two people out hiking. We didn't carry any extremely high-end camera equipment or anything, just some nicer point and shoots. Well, when we finally came home and she downloaded and did everything through there, we had approximately 5,000 photos. <laughs> 500 miles, 5,000 photos. Let's think about that for a moment. But one of them ended up in the Appalachian Trail calendar. It was the calendar, but the, the bad part of it is now, because I've come along so much since we started that particular hike, you know, we now have, I, when I go biking, I carry two cameras. I carry a point and shoot just to take as I'm moving and everything. And if I come to a place that's like, wow, I'd park the bike, get out the good camera and sit up and take a few shots there. So now <laughs> when, when we're when we're doing one of these trips, doing research and gathering data and everything, we have we have basically four cameras to download now. Yeah, plus the, the video off the iPhone. <laughs> oh my goodness. It, it, call it an obsession. Yeah, that's why, we tell, that's why we don't camp as often when we're doing these kind of trips. You know, we'll stay in a state park lodge or we'll do something like that. But, you know, we have to carry a power strip to plug everything in to charge it up <laughs> and do everything like that. But no, she is just that kind. Of, she has that kind of a level of detail. And I do just not as much as she does. I'm very fortunate to have a very good memory and a spatial memory. I can do, a, you know, kind of a walkthrough in my mind of most trails I've been on, which sounds crazy, but I finally realized that instead of talking into, uh, for years, it was like a, a tape recorder, and then I switched to a digital recorder, and then finally the iPhone came along, and I would talk into it and transcribe everything. One day, you know, the light bulb came on that said, if I just take a lot of pictures, I can describe this without talking while I'm hiking. Yeah. And I started doing that. And it's made describing trails much easier. I mean, if I need to take an important note, like you were seeing when we were hiking, yeah, I'll, I'll screenshot the app to know where I was or whatever, write a little note down in the in the iPhone. But I don't go to the level of obsessive that I did once other than taking photos. (laughs) But she also is extremely experienced at what she does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been doing database work for like 35, 40 years. She she is, again, that's why, you know, she went to a conference a couple of years ago where somebody that was doing a book and he was one of their speakers and they asked her to join and it was his first book and they looked at her and, so well, we want to write a bio for him. She's well, I've done like 15 trail guides alone. And they're like, huh? And it's <laughs> like, yeah. So, you know, every time you write a book, you write a trail up or you do something like that. And even I'm being the new writer in the bunch here, I, I can feel and see more and more how much I improve and how much more I remember. So, you know, you have to train your brain to do that. And she's had that brain trained for quite a while. But, you know, some things have changed over time. 
And you know, going back to the 50 Hikes book, when I wrote the first 50 Hikes book, I did it in very long paragraphs with a lot of description about the natural world. And that was kind of a hallmark, you know, that other writers weren't doing that at the time. And a lot of writers ended up copying me doing that. Well, it's come full circle that people don't want to read things that are that long anymore. They want their yeah. tent chunked up because they've gotten used to reading on their phones. So even in the books, the publishers are saying, please don't write paragraphs more than a sentence or two long. Don't use long sentences. For God's sake, don't describe the, you know, the, <laughs> the life cycle of the gopher tortoise. You don't have space for that. <laughs> and I've learned, okay, let it go, let it go. There, there is a website, and guess what? We can have a gopher tortoise page that talks about that instead of it being on the hike. Yeah, the long, the long right. version is in, in the book, and when you go read about it, you, you've got a wonderful sampling. If you want to know more about it, come to the website, because it's there on the website, and it's in a much, much, much longer format. Yeah. <laughs> even even there, I've had to, you know, what, one of the things that this lockdown has done is had me go back to the website and start going back to the older pages, because it's 14 years old. And updating things, cleaning them up, and also skinning down the text and chunking it so people can read it better on iPhones. Because most of our readers are yeah. indeed on mobile. Right, right. Yeah, and there's you haven't developed some sort of special Florida Florida Hikes app yet, so. <laughs> well, no. You know, we've talked to people about that. The thing is, the website works great on mobile. Yeah. And the oh gosh the amount of work behind the scenes that goes into keeping an app updated i mean you can just imagine with gut hook uh doing that for the whole florida hikes website would just drive me nuts well, i'm going to sum it up even simpler i'm the one out there riding the bicycle i'm doing all these out and i'm the guy that'll go up and talk to the tree the turtle anybody else and i'll be describing some things <clears throat> what's there and I'll mention Florida Heights. And a lot of times the people will bring up their phone um, and say, well, I'm out rollerblading today. And this is how I found this beautiful bike path in Mims, Florida, was because I was on your website. So right. it works. That's what's nice is, you know, people are used to using the website. And so we may not catch as many people with the apps, but the website is just such a fantastic tool that most people I meet out and I tell them about the website, they already know. That's an amazing mm -hmm. thing. Oh, and I got to tell you about something I think so funny because I am so map-oriented. You think I would have caught on to this. Um, I just, uh, we we did an email. You know, we, we do a regular e-news probably f uh, six to eight times a year out to a mailing list of people who sign up on here. And I finally had to describe something that the website does that I only recently learned the website does. <laughs> and that was with an upgrade to a piece of software that we use for mapping. It now has the ability on any map, on any page of the website, there's a search bar. You can type in the name of a city and it'll zoom into it. There's oh. also a little icon in the upper right-hand corner that's like your GPS uh, trigger locator thing. If you mm -hmm. click on that, the website asks you, do you, want, do you want to tell the website your address or where you're located? And if you do, it zooms into where you are. Oh, nice. I and had it... no idea it did that until I was playing on the phone one day. And I'm like, oh, my God. He <laughs> <laughs> so could ask if it can do that. Yeah, no, it's like so, so handy for people. That's awesome. Yeah. So if you maybe update this book, what other books are possibly on the horizon? Well, you know, we're, we're not sure if we're going to be able to do the new edition of the Florida Trail Guide this year because of the whole coronavirus thing. 
so many businesses are shut down along the trail that we don't know if they'll reopen. Yeah, we're terrified uh, the number of mom and pops places that you know we swing by and check on, and then I call each one before we do the book. That you know those, those people were hanging on by a thread. They really mm-hmm. they really appreciated that a through hiker would come in and have a meal, take food out with them, or buy buy something. You know, they, that really helps. So we don't know how long we're going to be locked down and how many of these little hotels may not make it and restaurants. Um, and because of how much time it takes us to physically drive the trail basically twice. Yeah, we, we basically drive end to end on the trail in both directions from home to check every business. So, you know, not knowing when we will be allowed to go out and do something like that. Uh, and fortunately, we don't see anything now, especially with what's happening, the trail making any major changes now. There's talk of some out there, but because of what's happened here now, it, the trail's going to stay for a while. And well, specifically because volunteers can't get out and work yes. on the trail. Yeah. We don't think there will be any major changes to the route over the summer months. And usually it's June and July we're putting the book together. So... You know, if we're not doing a new guidebook this year, but, you know, we update the Florida trail hikes later in the year, something we've talked about is something like a gift book, something uh, maybe memoir-ish. You know, I've got plenty to talk about over 20 plus years, Uh, something that would be more, mm, not, not a guide, but just something more interesting about the trail. And we've also discussed actually doing a, a a photo book. Yeah, like a mini coffee like table book. A mini book. coffee table book of the pretty places that we, you know, we've seen along the way and do things like that. You know, again, another, you know, again, small book projects, not not like a, you know, doing a trail guide. Yeah. And so what about but, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, and again, at the same time, uh, you know, we're, we're doing the trail, we're doing the hiking again, me with a, we with a, me with a bum leg, it's, I, you know, I become a great uh, driver and dropping people off and I can go in about a half mile to a mile and turn around and come back. Uh, so we're, we're looking at other things out there. You know, she's been updating our website with a lot more cycling. As a matter of fact, we recently had a, a local publication contact us and say, we, we want to do the writing ourselves, but we know you've been to all those trails we get some pictures from you mm. so we've become a, a you know a provider for photographs for some of the other publications out there now for the trails on the cycling side and at the same time sandy's had a, you know i like she's had a whole bunch of pet projects throughout her lifetime and again this book here is one of them and she's got to the point in life that she's getting to uh, be more creative <laughs> and not just do turn left at the second oak tree and yeah. find 50 paces <laughs> She's actually, she's a very talented writer. And like she said, a memoir of some kind is, you know, in the works out there. Is that well, it? and I, I, I kind of did a mini memoir very recently. I've had this on the back burner for over nine years now. Uh, I took a trip, took my mother on a month-long trip through the southeast to see public gardens during the azalea blooming season. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to write a little book about it before she died and I never did so I just recently wrote an ebook and I launched a new website called Gardens Visitor and what it is it's kind of you know structured like Florida hikes with a map and a way to look for the gardens but I'm putting the gardens on there that my mom and I went to together and then the gardens that I went to with my parents and gardens that John and I have gone to and as we travel more, we will continue to add gardens. But it's it's more, there's more story in there than it is just go here, do this. Yeah. Personal story. So it's yeah. more memoir-ish. So yeah. This, this is a different direction for her. She's having fun with it. Yep. Uh, she's, you know, re- reliving some wonderful times she had with her mom. And she's finding some of the things her mom photographed that she didn't know she'd photographed and so, you know, it, it, it's a good it's a good thing for her. And she is the garden person. Uh, every time we travel somewhere, even if I don't do it, uh, she goes and does the garden. So to, <laughs> to turn gardening 
you know, right now we've turned bicycling into a lot of our travel because we hit the local bicycling anytime we travel across the country now. So at the same time to go for a, you know, a, a bike ride one part of the day and go visit a garden for another part of the day, that may become our new, our new travel path. I like it. I was, so I'm going to go a bunch of different ways here. I was going to suggest a biking, you know, a guide or a memoir as well for on that aspect, just because I know how important that is to you, John. Um, and that would be a really cool way to just, you know, broaden, you know, your interests. But I'm also I I'm also a gardener and I love gardens, too. So I was when I saw that you had done the garden visitor uh, website and your Instagram account, I was like, oh, this is exciting because I too like going to botanic gardens. <laughs> um, so I'm excited about that. And I really like the idea of that memoir with your mom because um, I don't know, there's just, there's like a lot of good garden writing out there and I'm sure you would fit right in with all the good garden writers and it would be awesome to, to, to see and to, to read that experience. Uh, just something different, you know? Well, that's it. I'm just dabbling and having fun with it right now. Well, and the photography, you know, back to all those pictures. Yeah. Well, give her a whole bunch of things that are blooming. Give her a high-quality camera and the light being just right. And you name a plant, she probably has a photo of it somewhere if she's seen it. So, it, you know, yeah. It, you know, if I don't, if, when, you see her, when you see her website, it only has a handful of gardens on it right now is all she's got in. Uh, but she's got a virtual tour on it. I know the only plant, I, I go out and She's working at the other end of the house, and I have the uh, the iPad here on, so I can go visit and see what she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing, too, is uh, I have, gosh, slides going back to the late 50s that both my mother and my grandmother took at gardens all over the East Coast, including stuff that we did, you know, when I was a kid, and we went to gardens in the Carolinas and in Florida. So I'm going to have fun going through those scanning those, you know, and pulling out stuff of places that aren't even there anymore. Just yeah. to get that stuff online for people to go, ooh, just like I am. To have a, yeah. have a single source, which really there's not something like that out there, that would basically, you know, tell you about the gardens, tell you what's there, tell you the history of the gardens. You know, we that's the amazing part is, some of the things we've learned about even some of the gardens local. Somebody just recently gave us a, a history book of one of the gardens we have here. And it's probably an inch and a half thick <laughs> and gives all this history that nobody in the world knows. And you could never tell anybody all of it, but there's some neat little tidbits. It would be nice to share. And the only way you're going to know that is if you go read that inch and a half thick book. But right yeah. now it's just the fun project. Yes. <laughs> but it will, it will grow. Well, you've got to have the the pet projects on the side just to keep. I mean, it's not like you don't enjoy the Florida Trail and don't enjoy all that, but at the same time, I know it's it's your work, and so it's nice to have those things on the side that you know create cultivate the creativity and keep things uh, interesting. Oh yeah, well then there's a second draft of a novel I have to do. Yeah, that's right. Another idea for another novel that I'd like to write. So yeah. And you have to remember the the Florida Trail for us. We have this discussion a great deal. Is you know we we're, right now we're watching my father. You know, keeping a good eye on my father. He's 88 years old. He was in the room in 1957 when they launched the first Atlas rocket. He's the last of the space pioneers that are like that. So we're we're, we're in the same neighborhood and keeping a good eye on him, but when my father's no longer with us, other than, you know, the beautiful skies, the Florida Trail, and me liking the water and bicycling, there's a lot more places to see other than Florida. Yeah. Uh, so we, we, that's why you will see we usually aren't here during the summer. Uh, we will this year. Yeah. But normally, you know, we take off, you know, two years ago it was Michigan. Uh, last year, this was our trip west uh, and just... And Ohio. And Ohio, and just go and see all these places and experience. Now we'll do. Uh, we'll make sure we hit even more gardens when we do it. But at the same time, I'm a native Floridian, and the standing joke is, you know, other than being a snow skier, I've never spent any time around snow. You know? <laughs> Sandy lived in Pittsburgh, where it snows. So we're yeah. not sure how I would take, you know, a, a foot, two, or ten of snow. So we, we may have to make sure we come back to Florida for winters. Snow is yeah. good when you don't have to drive in it. 
but we can yes. come back and devote part of our our time and part of our you know our future out there to keeping up Florida, the Florida Trail, the bicycling here, the waters, and everything like that. Uh, and then at another time of the year, we go somewhere else, and it may not be the same place over and over. So you know that that's our unknown future out there. But right now, you know, we'll, we'll probably always have at least a you know a a toehold in Florida. Right, right. Um, and that was I was going to mention your trails and travel website uh, as well, but you kind of you mentioned that a little bit, and I know we can't you can't travel this summer, but. Was there anywhere you were planning on going this summer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had all, we've already missed the Alabama conference. Yeah, that was that was the first thing we were. Yeah, going to we, go to. we were supposed to be speaking at the Alabama Hiking Trails Conference. We planned to go hiking up at a Pinhoti. Mm-hmm. Um, we were going to hit all the gardens in that part of Alabama. In the middle of Azalea season. Yep, and up in North yeah. Georgia and Southern Tennessee. So yeah, that's all been thrown then, by the then way. We were going in, then we were going into West Virginia to a place I don't know if you've been. I had never been the Gorge. Yeah, New, New River Gorge. I'm a part of it. We we were supposed to give a talk at Trail Days in Damascus, mm. and we were supposed to have a conference in Burlington, Vermont, and I believe all of that has been canceled. Yeah. So you know. At this point, it's pull back to the website and clean stuff up. And yeah, yeah. Tra- trails and travel isn't going away. I've just put it on the back burner while I'm working on the garden website. And then we'll switch gears again and get that more focused on the hiking, biking, and museum type stuff. And, and we, we actually, we still talk about it because we were talking about oh, it yeah. different because of my gift of gab, we've actually thought about all the unique people that we meet along the way. Yeah. Try to come up with a, up with a way to incorporate those. Um, so, yeah, they're, 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 well, that's the one part. Again, not, not having a television. You know, we're, we, we basically <laughs> we, we do a lot of talking and a lot of reading. And, you know, we, we, we discuss things. You know, we, we, we can have a board meeting at our dining room table or our breakfast <laughs> nook or sitting in the library. That's, that's what our standing joke is. And she made a good point uh, a few days ago, and she said, you know, I, I'm glad it works like this because, you know, I, I don't mind being locked up with you. <laughs> and she said, you know, we, we can't if always... If I had to be locked up yeah. with someone, I'm okay. glad okay. it's John. That's what makes this whole thing work, is just how well how well we function, we work together. It's just yeah. an, amazing, it's an amazing thing. You know, I've never had anything like this in my life, so I, it's like, Wow. But boy, like you said, show up on a trailhead, point me off in a direction with a bike, give her a set of walking poles, and we meet back, we go out and have a nice lunch somewhere, we talk about what we saw, we go to the next place, and we do it again. That's not a bad life. No. No, it seems like you guys have, like, the perfect situation going, and um, just never-ending ideas, and, you know, great companionship, and getting things done, and it just sounds... uh, Sounds perfect, almost. Um, I do want to transfer. I do want to (laughs) transfer. I do want to transition to one thing before we to end. Um, I wanted to talk about the econ land swap. If you want, could highlight that a little bit so people would know a little bit about what's going on there. Okay. the uh, The simplest way to explain this is a gentleman bought a piece of land that was a former ranch in an area in Seminole County that is in the designated rural boundary. And what that means, it can only be zoned certain ways. Now, um, he then applied for a different zoning outside of what rural boundary allowed and they turned him down, of course. Well, his lawyer sued the county because he feels he should have the zoning he wants rural boundary or not and the county got kind of cold feet like what do we do then his lawyer tendered the county an offer that we'll give you all this land on the east side of the river if you give us the econ river wilderness area on the west side of the river which adjoins the university of central florida Mm. okay um technically the county does not need to do a thing. They are within their right legally 
to say no. Why are you even offering this to us? But there are people on the county commission who want to hear it out. That's why it's become a very hot button issue. Um, it's not the first instance, nor will it be the last instance in Florida where someone feels they have more rights than they actually do under the current law and they try to pursue those lights, rights through lawsuits. I don't know if you heard about what's happening in Walton County right now. But no. Landowners, including former um, Governor Mike Huckabee, are suing Walton hmm. County because they've shut down the beaches and, oh, that's our land. You know, they have uh, uh, houses on the beach. Now, the thing is, they've sued Walton County before to say we don't want people walking in front of our houses. So it's a longer term issue. I remember that. Property rights. You know, yeah. that's different. But these things go on in Florida. Fortunately, there are a lot of people aware of what's going on in Seminole County. So there is a lot of public pushback, a lot of public support, and it just has to all go through the, the right legal channels. As soon as we heard this was happening, we, we headed over. I hopped on a bike. She took off on the foot, and we did the property. Uh, I missed one of the prettiest places there with all the cypress trees and a little creek water. I actually went back in to make sure I didn't miss it. And it's a phenomenal piece of property. It is now surrounded by development. And that's fine because all these people in the development now have a place to go. And while we were out there, we saw joggers. We saw people walking. So, you know, my thought is we don't need a house on every piece of property. We need to leave yeah. something out there woodsy. I don't care, you know, if you see if the, you know, the college is right next door. Even the college kids, that's what their jogger yep. was done. We saw Absolutely. they're out there in this beautiful piece of property, completely surrounded by uh, you know, people. But we yeah. don't live in that county anymore, so we don't have the influence we once did with yeah. it. You know, uh, I wrote an editorial, made it known to the county commissioners, you know, <laughs> sent it out to a number of people to spread it around. And hopefully the county does the right thing and does right by its citizens that when you buy a piece of land with taxpayer money, specifically, and the sign even says there, you know, bought for and by the citizens of Seminole County, you know, for the protection of this land, uh, they need to live up to that. Right. On a, on okay. on it. So is there anything anybody can do other than just reaching out if they live in the county, reaching out to the county commissioners or Absolutely. even if they don't live in the county? That is the main thing because they are the bottom line with it. They're the ones okay. who end up making the decisions. Okay. All right. Yeah, I just, I saw all that going on. And I think you told me a little bit about that when yeah. we talked in January, but I wanted to highlight that here just in case anybody was unfamiliar and they wanted to hear about it and uh, wanted to do something. So, um, yeah. yeah, cool. Well, is there anything else you guys want to highlight before we wind down? Well, I'm just glad there's people still out there enjoying nature, even though this is not <laughs> a wonderful time for any of us on the planet. But at the same time, yeah, you know, you have to look at the bright side is, like you said, you're seeing people in your neighborhood you haven't seen out. Mabel, you know, people come home in their air-conditioned car, they hit the garage button, they drive in, they close the door, and they never step outside again. You know, there's too many people that have been disconnected from nature for so long. So every time I see someone out with a young child, I make sure I make a positive comment to them that they're out there, you know, with that child showing them nature. Well, maybe this, that's the silver lining to what we're going through right now is the fact that people are going out, they're walking in the woods, they're riding their bicycle on the bike trails, um, and they're seeing other people out there enjoying it as well. And again, with our, you know, our, our social distancing, as I said, still. Yeah, but maybe they're getting a taste of what they forgot about or what they may have never done before. And important to me in particular is they're getting a taste of it and then they'll want to be the ones to stand up and say, 
no, you shouldn't put a subdivision on our natural <laughs> land. Anybody yeah. that went into that piece of property and goes back to where that creek is going in between all the cypress trees and then that's the Econ River. That, well, the, the little yeah. creek that goes into the Econ. Oh yeah, yeah. That, There's a little, That's there's cool. a little meandering creek mm -hmm. that just s's and turns through up to three foot tall cypress knees. It is just, it, it's, it's one of those places that very few people ever get to even see something like that. And there it is, right in the middle of a, a big giant urban area. So if people went out, walked there, and just saw that one piece right through there. I guarantee you they'd want to save that piece of property. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for coming back on the podcast for a second time. I know that I felt like when we were hiking in January that I could just pick your brain all the time, all day long and come up with all sorts of interesting stories. And I'm sure uh, you could tell Sandra and I'm sure John that you have as just as many to share as well. So hopefully this isn't your last time on the podcast. Definitely like <laughs> to have you guys back on in the future for more books, more trail updates, more adventuring updates, too. Well, thanks, and uh, keep safe out there. And You're getting the word out. That's, you know, that's a different version of ours. You know, yeah. we, we realized since we started finally doing YouTube and things like that, we realized that what an audience is out there. Audiences consume information in different ways. <laughs> yes. So, you know, you're, you're, you're out there spreading breadcrumbs for those people to come and do all these things we enjoy and like you say and then maybe helpfully protect and save those lands that we love that's it for the episode i hope you liked hearing from sandra and john of course nearly two months later from recording this episode so much has already changed with the opening up of public lands and the challenge to recreate responsibly i hope y'all are getting out there to hike and explore locally as much as possible and taking the podcast with you along the way if you've enjoyed the podcast these last two years could you take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review on itunes or hit subscribe in whatever podcatcher you listen to. I would greatly appreciate it. And of course, tell your hiking friends. This podcast can be found at orangeblaze.thegardenpathpodcast.com and on Instagram as orangeblazepodcast and Facebook as official orangeblaze podcast. All right, happy hiking.